0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Zeidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Welcome inside the college football film room alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg and Chris, the first college football playoff rankings have been unveiled. So you know what that means? It's time to overreact to absolutely nothing. Well,
1: you know, it is it, uh, it, a lot of football left. We need to caution everybody with that. Um, everyone is kind of, you know, you would think at this point, there would be a little bit of an understanding that this is so much different than the rankings. The rankings of yesteryear used to be when you were ranked someplace, as long as you won, you weren't going to drop. And so anybody feels like that, if they're behind that, they're not going to get ahead and is going to have to have somebody lose. And that's just not the case. Uh, and this is for the people on the other side that are at a certain spot, and they win, and they go down low, then that fan base and that media base is going to say, how could you win and drop? Very simply, because they're going to look at this over and over every week. Um, The snapshot is you've got a lot of teams in the SEC that are still ranked very high. The Big Ten and the SEC are in good shape. Ohio State gets number one because of a little quirk as I see it. If you look at their overall strength of schedule, it is ranked higher than anybody in the top group cluster of teams. Overall, and and you may not think it ordinarily because you kind of look at it and you say, well, who have they beaten, Chris? What have they done? Cincinnati's a ranked team at 20. Um, You've got um, Wisconsin. Um, you know, is a ranked team. Indiana is a ranked team and a good team. Um, excuse me. They're uh, they they uh, they're not ranked, should be in my mind, but a good team with a pretty good schedule. Um, those are all things that, that kind of make their schedule a little bit. Now, I would submit that probably LSU has beaten in Auburn and Florida maybe two better teams. But overall, because the SEC is a little top heavy, and I think the Big Ten with, you know, the Minnesotas and the Indianas and the Iowas and Wisconsin, you've got more good and maybe less elite with only Ohio state and Penn state being elite. Whereas in the sec, you've got LSU, Bama, and to some degree, Georgia, Florida, and Auburn, different levels of, of strength. So look, I mean, uh, a couple of things jump out at me. The PAC 12 still has a shot, Scott, mm-hmm. you're going to need some help. Um, if you want to, Play the scenarios, which I know you love to do and are listening. Oh, I do. love it. I love so, it. So a one-loss LSU, I'm not predicting what's going to happen here. We'll get into the games in a bit. But a one-loss LSU, a one-loss Pac-12 champion, and a one-loss Oklahoma is going to be in a fight for that fourth spot. It It's more than just, you know, couching it as that. Because it's how they look. I, I would uh-huh. say that, you know, how how that one loss LSU looks, if if again, they are lost, I think is really important to understand. Here's the other thing. There's a narrative out there that Alabama will not make it if they lose. And that may be true on the surface if you just look at it, because their strength of schedule is not all that good. However, yeah. I think what people are missing is you don't know. What if Alabama has to play without Tua. Maybe he starts. Maybe he gets banged up. Maybe he's gimpy through the entire game. Maybe he has to be sat down for Mac Jones. And Alabama loses a close one to LSU. And then maybe in a couple of weeks, Tua gets back healthy. And, you know, by the end of the year, they're playing against Auburn, playing better. The committee... Again, that's not something that people are thinking about, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. But if that scenario takes place, then they're looking at, and and again, there's really no precedent for that. But you're dealing with an Alabama that you know is probably pretty good. The committee knows that. Are they looking at Alabama different? Wait a minute, two is now healthy. Wasn't? He, you no, know, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm saying to completely rule it out. On the surface, I would agree. Uh LSU has a better chance with a loss of getting in than Alabama, but let's not eliminate it yet. Um Penn State is got in at number four over Clemson. That's going to be talked about. Their strength of record is higher. Clemson A has a very weak schedule in a very weak conference. And narrow victory against North Carolina. Yep. The North Carolina game cost them, you know, so. Minnesota, rated very low, 17. They haven't beaten anybody. So they're a team, and I don't think they're going to do it. But they're they're the team that's the candidate. If they were to win, if they were to be Penn State at home this weekend, and I don't think they will, but let's just say they do. Um, if they then go forward and beat Iowa and beat Wisconsin at the end of the year, they could make the biggest jump because at 17, it's reflective of, okay, we see you out there, you're unbeaten, but you haven't beaten anybody. And if you watch them play struggled against South Dakota state in Fresno state and Georgia Southern still won. But if you look at it, they have beaten Purdue banged up Illinois, who's gotten better, but still not that good Nebraska. Who's uh, in trouble Rutgers in Maryland, So they've not beaten anybody. So it's, it's, I think it's, it's basically saying at unbeaten at 17, you haven't done anything yet. Let's see what you can do. And then we'll go from there. Cause they're behind Michigan. They're behind Wisconsin. um, And certainly behind Penn state and Ohio state. The other thing is by comparison Baylor who has really in a lot of ways, kind of similarly hasn't played anybody as good, but They've beaten a pretty decent Kansas State team, an Iowa State team, um, Oklahoma State. Um, you know, so they've they've got a little bit more productivity in who they've beaten. But still, when you look at them, they look like at twelve. Okay, fine. This is where they are. They move up if they can win out and beat Oklahoma. Maybe even have to beat them twice. But until they do, let's hold on. But 12 to 17, with those two teams that kind of have similar paths, Scott, one has played just a little bit tougher schedule. So those are some thoughts. Um, Notre Dame's still hanging in there pretty high, although they don't look like it. Um, uh, Group of five teams, Cincinnati, Memphis, Navy, SMU. Um, That's going to be a dogfight. Five group of five teams, Mm -hmm. two Pac-12 teams, Oregon and Utah at seven and eight. Obviously, six Big Ten teams ranked, four Big 12, five SEC, two ACC plus Notre Dame. Um, I don't – I, I kind of lump them in there even though they're not. But so it kind of gives you a look as to kind of where we are uh, in the first uh, first rankings of the top 25.
0: Well, I guess the biggest point of contention for people are, is going to be Clemson outside of the top four right now. Uh, undefeated, defending national champions. We mentioned their close victory over North Carolina. The fact that their strength of schedule is weaker than Penn State's. That's the difference between them being four and Penn State being four. The other thing to remind people, Chris, is that if Clemson takes care of business and wins out, which they are favored to do, they are expected to do they'll be in the top four guaranteed so to argue about them being five right now is kind of pointless if they take care of business like they are expected to do they are guaranteed a spot in the top four let's just push that aside so anybody complaining about where clemson is ranked right now just forget about it they win their games like they're expected to do they will be in the top four the thing that i I take away from these rankings is that we can talk about strength of victory, strength of record, all that stuff when it compares to, to these teams and their resumes. But Alabama being where they are right now doesn't reflect their strength of record, their strength of schedule, because mm-hmm. it's weak. Alabama being where they are right now is the committee just using the eye test saying, we watch this team on film. We know how good this offense is with Tua. They deserve to be amongst the top three best teams and highest-ranked teams in college football. So it's not just all the numbers. The eye test is heavily involved with the committee as well. Well, I think it is, and I think
1: it has something to do with where Clemson is. And so, look, I would say that as Clemson is playing better, and I want to get to that point for a second that you made. Clemson's issue is that they haven't looked very Good. And and recently they're starting to look better. So that eye test is going to happen. Plus, Ohio State, Penn State, LSU, Alabama takes care of itself. Takes care of itself.
0: So yes, Clemson Clemson is gonna
1: slide in. And they have a and they have
0: a a big game coming up against Wake Forest, which will be an impressive victory that the committee will look at.
1: It's it's a better one. It's it's the only one they got at this point, provided Wake, you know takes care of business and stays ranked that it's, it's the only, it's the only team um, that they play That that is the conference. That's going to be relevant, including in the conference championship game. So yeah, they wake's probably decided, however, <laughs>
0: huh? I said, I actually <laughs> think wake's going to have a hiccup this weekend, but we'll get to that well, coming you up. Know, and then, <laughs>
1: now, then you got no ranked teams. So <laughs> my point is, is here's the thing I would say though, It's eye test, and, and it's the the weakness of the schedule, and it's that combination because they, they were dominant. They could be there, and, and it does take care of itself to some degree, but should it? Think about this for a second. What if the eye test doesn't show them playing all that well? With the schedule so incredibly weak, you know, I agree. There's going to be that sentiment. No one will ever say this. They won the national title last year. They're unbeaten. They're their confidence. We can't let them out. No one's going to ever say that, but that's going to be in the back of people's mind. But let's just say, and by the way, I think Clemson's going to win out. I think they're going to be impressive, and I think the eye test will put them in the top four. So let me just say that. However, what if they don't play all that well, but they still win all their games? Uh, what if a, a pen you, you you'll have – Let's say an unbeaten, you know. Let's they're not going to do it. They're, Chris, they're, Chris, they're not going to do oh, it. Hold they're on, not. hold on, Scott. Hold on. Let me finish. Let's just say Ohio State wins out. Let's just say Alabama wins out. Um, and and, and you you've got you know a a a, a one loss team. My point is, it's it's not going. It's not always about the eye test. And in, in even if he doesn't look good, there's going to be a belief to, well, put them in. There is a scenario what I'm trying to explain is that they may not look like one of the four best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And we talk about teams that are not, let's say, in the AAC that are not very good, you know, or, or excuse me, they're very good, but they don't have a schedule that's very good. They're unbeaten. They're not going to get. Clemson's kind of in the same boat. The ACC looks really bad. and and I But because they're Clemson, because of their history, this is what I'm trying to make, and here's the point. Don't think that the – you could call it bias. It's uh-huh. just it's subliminal. No one is going to leave them out as an unbeaten team, even though if they don't play very well – you could absolutely make the case that Ohio State's better, LSU's better, Alabama's better, Penn State's better, Georgia's better, Oregon's better. You know, you could make the case with some of those teams being one-loss teams or better. You, you could, in theory, do that, but even in the weakness of a schedule, it probably won't. I mean, I, it won't happen. I don't see it, but it is something that is important to talk about because they will say for best but for best how and it's a combination of all the things and they use the the hide behind the it, it the we look at the eye test but but that eye test is very subjective i think clemson is one of the more four talented teams in the country you can make the case that they're not one of the four best it's almost to me like disingenuous it's like mm. hey We'll put them five now because they've not played anybody, but we know LSU and Alabama are playing Ohio State, Penn State, and we'll just slide them in. You know that's kind of how it plays out, and I don't not accusing conspiracy or no, politics, no, but the reality is it's just it's a little bit phony because at the end of the day, if the four best teams are two unbeaten's and two one loss teams. They're not going to leave an unbeaten Clemson out, even though you could make a case, perhaps yeah. if it were right now, they're saying, no, nope, they wouldn't be in. But you know, if the same thing applied, and we, you know it can't because of LSU, Alabama, and Ohio State, Penn State being a head to head. But if you had four teams in there, if there were four teams from different leagues, you know that that would be a tough out for them to say, no. We're leaving an unbeaten defending champion out. And that to me is disingenuous because it should have nothing to do with what they've done in previous years. But don't think that the brand name and the previous history of an Alabama or a Clemson or Ohio State matters.
0: It's almost like it's, it's almost as if their name, if their name was not Clemson, it would be a completely different story. Uh absolutely and, and, they'd be and, yes. they'd be where Baylor is. Yes, and that's a great point because Baylor's sitting here at 8 0, undefeated, 12th ranked, with the potential of going undefeated and winning the Big 12, but they won't be involved in the conversation. I, and you can say
1: except the eye test says they're not yes, nearly as good yes, as Clemson. Yes. Which is fair. And that's right. They got it
0: right. But
1: you do wonder if it is if if, for example, um if it were Wake Forest that was unbeaten, there's no way in hell they'd be five. You know, right. it would, it would yeah. be. But that's fair because Wake Forest doesn't look like Clemson. You know, the, and, and so I think there is the point is is yeah, it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter the talent. It doesn't matter who you are because there's a perception and an understanding that I mean, why is Baylor ranked behind Oklahoma? It's because mm-hmm. they look and they say Oklahoma's better. You know, mm-hmm. and and they got one loss. But you know what, if Baylor – I mean, you could make the case, certainly off a resume, Baylor should be ranked ahead of Oklahoma and then let Oklahoma jump them if they beat them. But they kind of look at it see it differently. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, It's always interesting Um, and I think controversial. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. You're going to see the – I've already, you know, getting some of the stuff. Oh, the committee's a joke, and it's this and that, and it's gonna be complete panic. Um, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. Of course, we're gonna learn an awful lot. Um, as LSU Alabama takes yes. place this week, it's gonna be interesting. Ranking, um, is how it may may play. I, I said something that was kind of interesting. Uh, at least I thought it was interesting, and it doesn't apply here because we've got two versus three, but. I'm using the, the AP poll does not matter, but yep. in recent history, you got to remember the rankings didn't come out as early. So, and, and certainly not in November. If you take the last four times that one versus two played, and I'm talking in the AP cause that's really all you had. in mm-hmm. in most cases at that time, the last four times, one versus two played in November, the winner of that game went on to win zero national championships. The loser of that game won three national championships. Wow. Consider that. Well, now,
0: and I'll say this. Since the college football playoff rankings began, the national champion has come out of the top four in the initial rankings every year except for the very first year. The very first year, Ohio State was 16th in the initial rankings. And then they made the college football playoff. They won the national championship. But after that year, there has the national champion has come from one of the top four ranked teams here in week one.
1: Yeah, and if you were to look at it this year and you'd say the team that has the best chance outside of the top four of winning the national championship of anybody, probably Clemson. Uh, Clemson at five. I mean, for all of what we just talked about, it what they haven't done and what they what they have done, and who's not looked good. And it, it, bottom line is, they're pretty doggone good, and they're they're in pretty good shape. So Clemson and Georgia would be would be the most likely to win it outside of the top four, where uh, it, it clearly looks like um, you, you know that the 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 SEC champ. I mean, I think Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, and Clemson look like you know, the four best teams at this point. But uh it's going to be interesting to see if two SEC teams get in or if there's another team that looks better. And, again, people will always say, they'll ask you, Scott, they'll ask me, what if this happens in the win? It doesn't just matter who wins. It's how it looks. Yes. How close is it? When you come out of the game, you have a feeling this team is demonstrably better than the other. Or you might say, this razor razor sent a razor thin margin that matters that matters
0: we, a great deal we haven't really talked about georgia that much but but they're number 6 despite their loss to yes. south carolina uh i think the committee wanted wanted to see what they did against florida so they're happy sure. that they they saw that game and the bounce back performance from jake from but also uh, kind of like what i mentioned about clemson georgia being 6 really doesn't matter because look at what they have to do. Look at what's laid out in front of them. If they finish off their season and then win the SEC championship game, they're in the college football playoff, regardless of starting out sixth, regardless of losing that game to South Carolina.
1: Yeah, the SEC champion is gone because the SEC champion is going to be either Georgia, LSU, or Alabama. It's not going to be – listen, mathematically that's not true. Uh, Georgia could stub their toe against Auburn and Missouri. And, and you know, Florida can jump back in and win the SEC championship, via a two-loss team, and the SEC gets left out. So, yeah, I, I know there's a, you know, there's a theory of that. Well, you know, Baylor could run the table and get in either. Neither one yep. of those things are going to happen realistically. It's going to be Georgia, LSU, Alabama, and three of the top six teams. I know we always talk about four, four. Only matters at the last voting. Right now, five and six and seven, all all those guys are in play. Three of the top six are right there in uh, in the offing, and and from the SEC. And you're right. If they beat Auburn, they they run the table. And they go to the SEC championship game. Uh, they win that championship game. Um, they're in, and and mm-hmm. and it's just about who they beat, uh, what it looks like. Then the discussion is who, they beat. who do yeah. they beat and how close is it, you know, would um, would at that point, you know, because here, here's the thing. Here's the other thing I'd say. Let's just say they beat Alabama in a close game. Oh, Alabama's played a week schedule. Well, they played a weak schedule to this point. You've alluded to it earlier, but if they beat Alabama and they beat Auburn, it's no longer a week's schedule. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm, so all mm-hmm. of a sudden, now it's a couple of quality wins. If they would to played Georgia close, would a one-loss Alabama team um, particularly, you know, I mean, how would that play out? Well, it really depends. Depends on who else is in the mix. Penn State has got a good case if they play Ohio State very well. That game not only matters who wins it, but how they look. Yep. If Penn State gets blown out by Ohio State, but LSU Alabama's close, we're clearly the loser of that game. In in, in a close game, is going to have a better chance than the team that got blown out in the other league. And then what what really happens in the Pac-12 at that point? Um, and then you know Oklahoma's not completely out of it because if they run the table and they really dominate people and you know beat Baylor. You know, maybe a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know, again, comparing that, you know, uh, against uh, Utah and Oregon, I, you know, I think there's a lot of football left, and I think you still have quite a few teams that kind of control their fate a little bit. Um, and, and that would be the the Ohio State, Penn State, LSU, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Um, I, I think they definitely kind of control their fate a little bit. Baylor does as well. If you wanna live under the theory that they can run the table, which I'm not ready to buy that at this point.
0: And let's just, we'll wrap this conversation up with this, Chris. The Pac-12 is alive. It it might be Mm -hmm. slim pick, it might be slim, but Oregon and Utah are now on a path to meet each other in the Pac-12 title game. And let's say it's an Oregon team that comes out of that. A one-loss Oregon team who reeled off 11-12 straight wins and their only loss was the final nine seconds of the game to Auburn on a neutral site, mm-hmm. that's going to be a tough team to, to leave out of the top four. So the Pac-12 is alive at 7-8 and eight right now, Oregon and Utah. Let's not cancel them out right and, now. And here's the thing. I would think and
1: hope, I mean, they're supposed to. I'm going to assume that they do, that the committee folks are watching these teams and looking at all these teams. If they watch Oregon and Utah, they're going to realize how good those teams are. Now the rest of the country doesn't watch it. And I can tell when people make comments about these teams are good. I mean, they're really good. And I'm not ready to say that, that I, that they deserve to be in the top four over anybody right now, but they deserve to be in the mix because they're that good and I don't know, so th- there'll be a lot of. I've already got that. Well, there's no way that you know <laughs> they're ahead of Oklahoma, meaning the packed up. I don't know that at all. I mean, quite frankly, just as you said. I mean, I Oregon wins out. Um, I mean, if you if Utah wins out, is losing to USC with their star running back and, hurt. Yeah, with the star running back hurt against USC, is that worse than losing to Kansas State? I mean, mm. I think I, I think that to assume most people see Oklahoma, know more about Oklahoma, make that assumption. I don't think that that's easy. I'd have a hard time if I had to decide between a a, a one loss Pac-12 champion Utah or Oregon, you know, whoever one of those, and compare them up against against Oklahoma. I, I think that would be really tough. And, you know, if it came down to those two, I mean, really tough. Most people would say, oh, Oklahoma easy. And it's not because I, I really think that if both of those teams played Oklahoma, I think they'd have a great chance. And if they played 10 times, I mean, I think it's five, five. Yeah, uh, I really do. I mean, I think those two teams, particularly Utah is so good defensively. Oh, so, um, they're
0: so they're so fast defensively. Uh, they remind you don't know, of yeah. an SEC, <clears throat> SEC team how fast they are defensively. No, I
1: mean they're 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 look they're.
0: And I love their coach they're too. They're they're so yeah, well coached. You
1: know, and Oregon Oregon's you know good. So look, Pac twelve still in it. The Big Twelve with Oklahoma and and Baylor until proven otherwise, still in it. The ACC by proxy of Clemson still in it. And of course, the Big Ten and the SEC are in the best shape, uh, no doubt about it. No Notre Dame in the mix this year, although ranked fifteenth, oh. pretty yeah. high. I was a little bit surprised how high they were ranked there. But you start looking at it, um, I don't know that uh, that that I would have. I, I I think they're going. They're they're a team that even if they win, there there are going to be some other teams moving ahead
0: of them if if they mm-hmm. take their business. Yeah, so,
1: yeah. And- listen, it is. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, strap your seatbelts on yep. and not many change. people
0: are, are going to be locked into it but I'm sure as heck interested to see who's going to be that uh, New Year 6 representative from the group of 5 because they are all in that mix right now 20, 21 22, 24 and 25 they're all grouped yes. there in the rankings so that's going to be fun to watch
1: that AAC at the end of the year is going to be wild
0: Yeah, I mean, it really is going to
1: be a lot of fun because that's where most of it is constituted um, and I think that's a strength. Boise's looking a little bit shaky. So, uh, yeah, I think it's the, a- the AAC that's going to be a lot of fun to kind of figure that
0: out. Well, before we get into this week's games, Chris, I want to talk about the coaching situation at Florida State. Willie Taggart is out, and there's been so much misinformation that's been given out online, like reputable sources too, like people that work for news stations in Florida are saying, Bob Stoops is signing a deal. It, that sh- it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh And he came out and said, are you kidding me? Like, I, w- I was at a function. I had dinner at the Hard Rock, and all of a sudden, I'm the next Florida State head coach. No. Uh, What are you hearing about the Florida State job, a- and just what are you hearing about all the misinformation that's been out there the past couple of days?
1: Well, I purposely don't pay attention to it because it is that time of year I've been as you know in coaching search work for years and one thing I've noticed there are a couple of things that happened if you go back a couple of years ago, I think it's kind of a similar situation. We tend to forget this, but remember when it was you you just had several media outlets in in Knoxville. John Gruden's coming to Tennessee I mean it was not I mean it was the same thing and, and it lasted weeks. I mean you know and and so how does this happen? Well, it's misinformation, but I don't believe, you know, some people think, and I can't vouch for it, some people think that that these people make it up. I, I don't think so. I think what it is, is they get information that people feed them. They don't get good information. They don't get it from the source. And there's a lot of false leaks done for purpose. So for example, if you're a Tennessee with John Gruden a couple of years ago, or if you're a Florida state, you know, they were asked, they asked the athletic director at Florida state, uh, Bob's stupid candidate or, you know, <clears throat> you know, inter- inter- well, what's he going to say? He's going <clears> to <throat> say no. Well, it kind of makes you look stupid. If you say, you know, no, I'm not interested in Bob Smith. He did say something about, you know, that no way they'd be interested in Urban Meyer, which is, again, you don't ever, that was kind of dumb to come out and say that, even though we know it's true. You don't normally, so what do you say? So people go, oh, he's a candidate. Well, he's not a candidate if he doesn't want to be a candidate. No, there's nothing to So people just take that and run with it. It is, I call it, ballroom talk. Two guys saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, uh, this Bob be- Stoops would be a great coach. Yeah, you know. It's like, you know, first of all, uh, here's the, the thing with me. I try to stay in the facts. I try to I understand a lot of stuff goes on. It's done. The candidate very often, and I'm not sure this is the case with Bob. It was the case with Gruden. People kept saying, well, why doesn't he, he come out and say he's not interested? You see, very simple, because John wanted to coach. He didn't want the Tennessee job, but he liked his name being out there because it sent the message to people in the NFL, which is where he wanted to coach, come and get me. Well, he got – you know. and, and it, well, why doesn't he just call somebody the Raiders? Because you lose leverage when you do that. You want – ego, they want people to call them. So the Raiders called him. Now, Stoops came out when he was contacted today. I think a couple of people reached him, and he said, no, not a candidate, not visited there and all that kind because I don't think he's interested. Here's the story on Bob. Bob doesn't want to recruit anymore. Okay. He took the job in the XFL because he's a little bit bored. You know, he's traveling a lot, doing a lot of different things and got some business interests. But the XFL job where he's the GM and head coach is a -a four-month-a-year job. The the league handles the scouting. He's going to keep his home in Norman. He's going to have a place in Dallas he's going to do that for four months. It's, and then, you know, (laughs) we'll see now, will he have maybe the interest perhaps for an NFL job down the road? Maybe. Uh, He's had, you know, I think opportunities if he wanted it to go back in college, doesn't, he doesn't want to do that. And with all due respect to Florida state, he wouldn't go to Florida state. That's, He's turned down better jobs in Florida State. Now, timing's everything. Maybe he's ready now. I don't think he is, and I think he's kind of said he's not. So, you know, why does it come up? Because people throw it out, and then you throw it out to, in this case, they asked the athletic director, but they also had board members. Hey, would you mention Bob Stiff? Sure we'd be interested in Bob. Hey, Bob Stiff's a candidate. Yeah, we'd love to have We'd sign him today. So all of a sudden it's like, and they take it and run with it without any idea of contact of, well, he's in Tallahassee. Now then when they get into all that stuff, he's in town. The deal mm-hmm. should be done by the end. That stuff just gets to, you know, clickbait and and there's nothing to it. Um, but here's the reason why a school doesn't want to diminish it. You don't want to come out and say something public about like, you know, if, if, if I'm the athletic director and you just ask me, if I'm the athletic director of Florida state and you're doing an interview with me and you'd ask me, it's Bob's. Hey, I mean, who wouldn't mention Bob's too. Now really? I know Bob doesn't want to recruit. He's, he's not a good fit. And no, I wouldn't hire him because I know Bob and I love Bob, but he doesn't have the energy to do what needs to be done at a big time program right now. But, but I'm not going to tell you that on the air or on, on the record. I'm going to "Oh, who wouldn't know Bob's? Well, then you get off the interview. Hey, he loves it. Well, you, 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 the other thing is if you float the idea that yeah, Bob's interested in us, then it makes the job even more sound more appealing. So maybe a guy like a Matt Campbell or a Matt rule, that's not interested in the job, but might, you know, might say, Hey, you know, Stoops is interested, you know, he, Maybe I ought to, you know, tell the, maybe I ought to check into a little. These are the type of little things that happen in coaching searches where schools or teams kind of like to put their, you know, Hey, we got all, oh, you wouldn't believe Scott. All the people who are interested. Oh man. I mean, just, it's just, you know, every, you <laughs> love all this. And then, then the candidate likes his name out there because It's an ego boost, but it's uh, particularly if you're kind of out of the limelight, they miss that. But it also, you may not be interested in that job. Like, for example, I thought of this. I don't think Bob Stoops wants to coach right now in college. But if he did, I could see him letting his name go out there. Maybe he's interested in a USC job if that comes open or another Mm -hmm. job. So by doing that, it kind of gets his name out there that you know what Stoops might be ready to come back. So that's the game that's played behind the scenes. That I, I mentioned this guy. We I know I've talked with well, you and I've talked about this for the last two three years. We've done this. I do this all the time on LandryFootball.com. Is explain that this is how the game works. Yet every year it's you can't convince anybody that Bob Stoops is not coming or that I guess. You know, I guess the Tennessee folks have figured out that John Gruden's not coming, you know, but it's, just, <laughs> it's just one of those deals where people think that, you know, they always think their job is the best. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you should think that your are that your baby is the prettiest and your wife is the prettiest you should think. But the reality is the people that are candidates don't necessarily see the job the way you do. And in some cases they're not interested. And here's the other thing a lot more coaches are comfortable staying where they are because you can make a lot of money just about anywhere. So it has yeah. to be the right fit. And right right now, Florida State's fighting an administrative problem with their current president and athletic director that's not long for that job. And you've got a plan and a promise for facility upgrades that that's the reason why Jimbo Fisher left. So they've got an image problem that they're trying to solve. So having the name Bob Stoops being associated with it even though it's not close to being accurate is something that only helps them from a PR standpoint.
0: Yeah, and you know, every top-notch coach out there or assistant coach out there is going to be asked about this job now for the next several weeks. Uh, Brent Venables is being peppered about questions about this job mm-hmm. and he has to say, "Listen, I'm focused on our next game. <laughs> I got a job to do here with Clemson. Right. You know, stop asking me about Florida State, but it's going to happen. PJ Fleck just got a contract extension. Mm-hmm. But you better believe people were gonna be asking PJ Fleck, Mike Norvell at Memphis. All of these hot hot name coaches are now going to be asked about Florida State every single week.
1: And it's gonna get all those guys new contracts, more money, more leverage in their situation. PJ Fleck, as you just alluded to, it's it's getting longer extended deals, larger buyouts. And that's why when people say Okay. Like, and this is why you better get the higher, right? It's, it is high stakes poker now, because if you, if people say how huh? in uh, bleep can you have that much of a buyout for Willie Taggart? Well, you know why? Cause to get anybody, you gotta, you know, people say, well, you gotta get somebody good. Somebody with a name, somebody it's it costs you a lot in terms of what you pay them. What you give them in terms of staff, but what you promise them in terms of a buyout. So when it blows up in your face, like Willie Taggart did, it is they are hemorrhaging money there at a place that lost their former coach because they didn't have enough money to do what they wanted to do. They had to raise $20 million over about a 10 day period to buy him out. Now they have that's that's before they go start searching potentially. What, how much money do they have to buy out a current coach? If Mm -hmm. they determine that they want this guy or that guy, what's their buyout? Is it 8 million? Is it 10 million? Is it 15, 18 million? I mean, you know, you got to raise that before you begin to pay them. It's, it's, it's why you can't make the mistake, but it's also why these guys, coaches, that is get a lot of leverage get a lot of money, get a lot of buyouts if they fired, because they can. And it's the advent of agents that have been able to manipulate this. I've gone into a lot of different, you know, you know, dissertations about this on different podcasts of how that's changed it. And it's created a leverage game for coaches and every, like you said, every one of those guys, you better believe it before it's all said and done. Tom Allen's going to get a bump at Indiana because somebody's going to come call it. You mentioned PJ Mike Norvell is now making great money. People came after him um, last year at Memphis going to come after him again. Dave Clawson at that way On and on Kyle and on. Well, Kyle, I mean, just they're going to, and, and then when they get more and more money and more and more security, some of them say, Hey, you know, so let's just take a guy like Mark Stoops. Forget Bob, but his brother mm-hmm. Mark at Kentucky mm-hmm. was a defensive coordinator at Florida State. Does Florida State want him? Well, don't know. I mean, they certainly should do their due diligence on him. It's going to cost a ton of money to buy him out. Right now, Kentucky has better facilities than Florida State. But, Chris, you can win more at Florida State in the ACC. You can. You absolutely can. But you also don't have the pressure at Kentucky to win titles. Mm -hmm. You're not going to win titles at Kentucky, but you're not going to get fired for not winning 10 or 11 games a year either. So what do you want? What's the money going to be like? Certainly they would, he would never leave unless they paid him a lot of money and promised him a lot in terms of, of assistance. But are they going to be able to do that on top of a buyout? I don't know. They would have to really like him, and then they would have to find the money to do it. So do they go somewhere else? Matt Campbell at Iowa State, huge buyout. You think like, Iowa State? Huge buyout. Huge. So it's very complex. And you know, you it's why you have to be really careful to make good decisions and not try to win the press conference with the name hire. Get the best hire because you know what? No one admits it now everyone, cause I can remember when Willie left Oregon and, and, you know, I know Oregon was glad that he left. <laughs> everyone loved that hire and everyone associated with oh, guy coming back home. This is great. He's an elite recruiter. Every one of those people were saying, uh, you know, dump him before even two years. So again, the name hire, the popular hire, is not the best. Like, for example, even if Bob Stoops did want to coach, that would not be a good hire for Florida State. He's not in it for the long haul. He doesn't have the energy to recruit and build it. But people to say, oh, he did it in Oklahoma. City. That doesn't matter. That's gone. He's no longer that. You need to find the next guy that's going to have the energy to do that because that's what your program needs. Don't think people. People see that. Don't people see the fit? It just doesn't, you know, resonate with some people as the right fit because they look at the name and what they know. And the guys that they don't know, Scott, uh, doesn't appeal to them until it's really good. Um Scott Satterberg's pretty good hire at, at Louisville, huh? You know, I don't know how many people were excited. You know, it, it, it was Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom. Oh, what are we gonna well, they got a guy that's probably as good as anybody they could have hired. And so I think a lot of that needs to be understood. Get the
0: right guy, not the name guy. All right, Chris, so that is our analysis of the first college football playoff rankings, and obviously the conversation about FSU. We're going to want to monitor that as the days progress, and I know fans can uh, check out LandryFootball.com and, and follow you on Twitter, especially at LandryFootball, because you're going to be on top of the coaching news as soon as you hear any pertinent information, and you certainly are not giving out misinformation.
1: <laughs> no, know. We, we certainly kind of go with what's facts, and we know it's a, it's a it's a volatile situation in a fluid situation, but we keep you up to date at Landry football and dot com and all the podcasts as well. All the film room breakdown, as I mentioned in our notebooks where we keep everybody up to date. So you want to take advantage of it, get our uh, season discount, which is 50% off, try it out for a month, whatever the case may be a lot of free stuff, but the, the, uh, the detailed membership stuff gets you information you can't get anywhere else. So it's one-stop shopping football for the college and pro
0: games. So check it out today. You, you won't regret it. And be sure to subscribe to the College Football Film Room Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, in our next episode, we will go down the slate here for Week 11. Hard to believe we're in Week 11 <laughs> of the college football season, Chris. But we're going to break down the biggest games of the week, including – the Alabama and LSU matchup. So you want to make sure that you subscribe so you can download that episode as well, which will be coming your way. Actually, it's probably available now if you're listening to my voice. So go X out of this episode and go log on to that episode. (laughs) All right, Chris, I'll talk to you next week.
1: You bet, bud. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe.